Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Kicking off hour number two here on Hurt at Sports Radio on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, live from the Hurt at Sports Bar and Grill, the h and Chevrolet Stage. Want to remind you, using your seatbelt saves lives and prevents injuries, but only if it is properly worn. Make sure it clicks. Make it click. This message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Joining us now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline is our guy, Old DB. Damon Benning, what's going on, buddy? Hi, guys. How are you? Oh, we are uh, living the dream over here, just having a good time, getting to know Elijah and... Uh, you know, trying to see if we trying like to, each other, you know, just trying to make it through a slow <laughs> week here. I tell you what. Uh, uh, Elijah, I kind of like your style. Plus, in our household, we buy herbal essence shampoo. So, like, you're scoring, like, d- d- double bonus points. We get the botanical blend, man. So, it's all good. Uh, I'm glad you get it. I'm glad you get it. And I'm glad you, even despite the fact that it's herbal essences, I screwed myself up in, like, sixth grade when I made that my Twitter handle. Everyone from... Like that point on, it's like Elijah Herbal is your name, and I, I totally have disrespected my ancestors. I've done it wrong the the entire time. Everyone mispronounced my name, and I can't even be mad about it because it's my own fault. DB, I'm not lying to you. I had like a 30 minute conversation with Gorman on before Elijah came in yesterday. I was like, "Is it Herbal or Herbal?" And he's like, Honest, "Honestly, I don't know." <laughs> And you know, and, you know and, and, and CG, you know, he's just gonna find, he's just gonna go with whatever, man. So it's like he's so cool. It's just, it's like, yeah, you know, whatever he likes. You, you like it, I love it. Potato, potato. For years, you know, Shane called you Robbie. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And and his last name is butchered too. He's not really a Schillerberg, so you guys all got something in common. Well, oh come on, Shane. <laughs> That's true. Get get this though. For my like first six months working with Schmitty. He just is Elijah Herbal, and I was like, you know what? Not 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 a, not a fight worth fighting. And uh, who was it? Somebody called in one day uh, to 
to complain about it. I think it was uh, Dan. Dan works for my dad. And he called in one day to say, you're yeah. mispronouncing his name. And Shmita, like profusely apologized to me on the air. And I'm like, <laughs> legitimately, it's okay. I've made my own bed. If I know you're talking to me, call me whatever the hell you want. Like, I, It doesn't matter to me. I'm not the type of guy to be offended by that. I've coached kids who I've called mispronounced their name for years. And they never said anything just because they liked the way whatever I was saying sounded. So it's like at some point you reach a point where you just don't want to correct people because you're, it's too late in the game. <laughs> exactly. Uh, TV, we, uh, we've got a lot going on here. I want to start with Nebraska football with you because we could talk about nonsense all day. So I really got to stick to my notes here. I, I mapped it out because I was like, man, if, if, I don't, if I'm not careful here, we're just going to go through a half hour and not actually talk about anything. Talk about shampoo. Um, <laughs> So, check out shampoo and mispronounced names. And that's our time with Damon Benning. Um, So, wanted to talk about the return of a couple key guys for Nebraska that kind of got lost in the wash this week because of everything else going on. Uh, Isaac Gifford and John Bullock, especially on that defense. How important in your mind is their return to Tony White's defense continuing what we saw last year? Well, I think it's huge. Uh, it not only provides uh, leadership, but continued depth. Because they've got a couple of young guys, you know, that they like, that they're going to continue to bring up uh, slowly, developmentally. And you have a couple of guys from a leadership standpoint that practice a certain way, that that hit guys a certain way, that know the standard, right? We joke all the time about my guy Tomlin, the standard is the standard. Mm-hmm. But when you bring two guys like that that lay it on the line Monday through Friday constantly, those guys are good tone setters, and you need those. And then when you add in the fact they're two of the top five, six leading tacklers, one's the top tackler, then that typically never hurts. And it's amazing, right? Right before our very eyes, Nebraska's turned into a place where people don't really want to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, – you know, Ty Robinson and, uh, you know, you got Gifford and you've got Bullock. And these guys, they, they don't want to go anywhere. And I think Nebraska is okay with that because, you know, we, talk, we talked months and months and months ago when, when Trev first came on. I always thought that his plan, the great equalizer to the transfer portal, was to build Nebraska in such a way where it was too good to leave, right? We heard for years all the former players – that end up having residence in Omaha and Lincoln or someplace in Nebraska, and they're not from Nebraska, and, and how the stadium was, was just the place to be. And I think he's built his staff like that. He's diversified the staff, the strength and conditioning staff, the training table. Coach Rule has diversified his staff. They built the locker room a certain way. Like uh, uh, that, The great equalizer to what's going on with movement and freedom of movement is to have it be a place where you just don't want to leave. So uh, I think they've got that pretty much down pat. It's Damon Binning with us here on Herd at Sports Radio. And Damon, one of the things I brought up yesterday on the afternoon show, Hale Varsity Radio, was that with eight starters returning and and with the Bullock News, uh, it almost feels like nine starters returning for that defense because of how well he played whenever he was on the field last year. Really felt like another yep. starter despite the fact that he wasn't technically atop the depth chart. Is that that defense with those eight, nine guys returning, whatever you want to call it, it really raises the f- or excuse me, lowers the floor in terms of what you need from improvement from the offense because you feel like 24 points a game, that's another seven points per game from the offense. 
that feels like a, a place where you're going to be in a position to win a lot of football games next season if you can get that 24 mark from your offense. And I don't want to go to specific names with the rumor uh, mill churning this week and whoever's in town this week unless you want to go there. But I want to get your thoughts on that, that in terms of, of improvement I, I on just, the offense, it's not much needed. Going. I just talked to them, so I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure they're on their way to Lincoln. But, uh, <laughs> the, you know, I, I think with this defense, you're, on paper it looks fantastic. But I tell you, it's dangerous to kind of think, all right, if we just do this, then this. Yeah. Because um, I think and, – and, and it's not a you thing. Listen, everybody does it. I, I know when, when SC was courting Coach White, it was, you know, if you just do this, then we'll do this. We heard Coach Frost say if the defense does do this then we just need when you start getting into conditions of minimizing performance if you're in dangerous ground so while on one hand i get what you're saying right if, if you can just have some sort of a semblance of of the 2023 defense not as much pressure on the offense but the defense is saying to themselves two things number one listen we got to get better all right we we at no point when we had a chance to close the game out defensively, did we get the job done? We need to be better. We need to be better on third down. We need to be better at taking the ball away. We need to be better um, with our situational penalties, right? You can't give up a pass interference when you're in cover three, right? It's So things like that, they're going to be motivated by. The offense is thinking, hey, we got we got to hold up our end of the deal. We don't want to go through another year where people look at us as like um, – you know, lesser than. So I, I get I get it on paper, but I'm telling you the functionality of it in the locker room, I think everybody is dialed in, and they got started right away um, with guys not wanting to go, go you know, go home and, and stand around the weight room. They, this team is hungry. Um, you know, they're looking for way more in 2024, that's for sure. DB, I am – not going to be as tactful as Elijah, and I'm going to ask you uh, kind of whatever I want. And if you don't want to answer, <laughs> just tell me. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. I was going to say, you know me. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. Yeah, I, I, I'm 100% <laughs> used to it. So, uh, obviously, the Dylan Rayola story is the biggest thing going on this week. Um, at what point, without saying anything you don't feel like saying, uh, at what point did you start to think, oh, this – this actually might be a thing. Sunday morning. Okay, so about 24 hours before the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday morning, um, you know, uh, had some conversations with Dom and and told him that, uh, hey, you know, would love to, you know, let's, we'll, let's, let's figure it out. Because he and I have been – I just always would pick his brain. You know, the same as, like – Danny Noonan or any of these other guys that had sons that were going through the recruiting process, right? Mm-hmm. I always had my notebook and my pen and paper out. And so Dom and I had a really good chance to, to reestablish kind of our relationship over this whole recruiting thing. So when his name popped up on Sunday, uh, it seemed fairly uh, innocuous until after about the, the third or fourth question. So um, then I kind of knew, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, you kind of want to know about the state of the program, how, you know, how Caleb feels, how I feel, am I comfortable, the general director. I mean, he's very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I told him, you know, we had a football banquet, 
uh, later on that day, and I would get back to him. And then the the text started again, you know, during the banquet, and, and I knew by then that 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 he wasn't just um, fact finding and trying to get a state of the union. He he was he was pretty serious. So um, it's always exciting when when things like that have the opportunity to present themselves. And I tell people with recruiting. It's fluid. You just you never know until you know. There'll be surprises Wednesday morning that we weren't counting on. So, in the grand scheme of things, this is plenty of time for for guys to 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 change their mind and make up their mind for some. And and I think with him, there's a, a couple of misnomers out there, and and he can speak to those, uh, and the family can speak to those if they want to. But I'll tell you one thing: this has a lot more to do about trust uh, than it does anything fiscally related because I think the fiscal part of what was going on was a little overstated and a little overblown and it had grown legs during the recruiting process and yeah does everybody want to set themselves up in in a in a situation where it's advantageous from a monetary standpoint absolutely we like we all want that Mm -hmm. right so but I, I think that was very, very much secondary, even tertiary down the road in terms of how this kind of, this thing evolved. I think at the end of the day, it's what he and I talked about, and I so I know this to be true. At the end of the day, when your family is involved mm-hmm. and they have to be around people that aren't you, you want to put them in the best situation as possible. It's like coaching. Coaches don't play the best players. They play the players they trust. Mm-hmm. Parents don't send their kids to the best people. They send their kids to the people that they trust. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think with this staff and, and Coach Rule and kind of what they're about from an athletic department standpoint, this one's all about trust, and I think that was the number one thing. So, DB, I wanted to ask you from a football standpoint, right, because you were uh, you were there when probably the next most, high, uh, most touted quarterback was brought to Nebraska in Tommy Frazier. He was a nationally recruited type guy. Um, you could throw yep. Eric Crouch in that conversation as well um, as a Prado wow. American. But those are kind of the two other, those are sort of the only two other guys you can look at in Nebraska history and be like, hey, those are the sort of guys on the level of recruitment that Dylan Rayola's at. How much of an impact does a guy like that at the most important position have on an overall team. I know circumstances were different back in 92 when when T. Frage took over, but like how big of an impact can that realistically have? Because I know as fans we get really big ideas in our heads and stuff like that, but from being in that situation, what can that mean for a team? So the, well, the number one thing is, I'll go back to the trust word, because the talent is the talent. Mm-hmm. So I won't talk about that. Great deep ball, good size, moves well enough, um, around the pocket to give you a little bit of duality, although he's definitely a pass-first guy. He's not going to be a statue back there. I think his fitness will continue to improve. So I don't worry about the talent standpoint. But with the two guys that you mentioned, uh, with T-Phrase and EC, uh, mental toughness mm-hmm. is, is the thing. Being a gamer, situationally, how am I when it doesn't look good, we need to, we need some leadership. Uh, we've got to make a play, you know, because for all the 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 miss, uh, the revisionist history about whether EC went home or quit or didn't quit or how the whole Newcomb thing shook out. What I do know about his competitive nature and his psyche is 
when it mattered most was when he played his best football. And that's what a transcendent talent can do. It's not so much about the physical attributes. It's about if there's something on the line and it, we've got to have it, can I trust that guy? That mm-hmm. was definitely T phrase and that was definitely EC. They played with such mental toughness, almost unflappable, if you will. And I know some people might say, oh, you know, it's blasphemy to put those two guys in the same sentence. But they have some of the same characteristics. When it's nut-cutting time, you want those guys to be the decision-makers and have the ball, right? And you're talking to a guy that coaches a guy yeah. that – I. When it's not cutting time, you want Anthony Reeves to have the ball. To ha- I want him to have the ball. I want him to be the guy to make decisions because he's going to figure it out. So if if Dylan is there mentally with mm-hmm. with some fortitude and toughness, his talent uh, can take can take that offense to different levels because I think it will be more about who this offense wanted to be a year ago when this thing first started versus who they had to be as the season progressed. And remember, we we, we joked, and now it's it's come full circle. Remember, Dom and Dylan were guys that studied that South Carolina offense Mm -hmm. inside and out. The same guys that had questions when we were at practice in the spring about wildcat situations and when you take quarterbacks out and when you don't take quarterbacks out. And I joked, I was like, that let me know that they were all inside of watching film mm-hmm. because you don't get those little nuances on, on, on when quarterbacks run the ball, when, why they helped, felt like they had to use the wildcat, what took the offense, you know, eight or nine games to come around. Like you don't do that kind of due diligence unless it's, it, you're interested in it. So what this offense wants to do won't be any surprise to, to, to Dylan, that's for sure. It's Damon Benning with us here on Herd at Sports Radio. And, Damon, Dylan Rylo tweeted something out, and I want to get your your opinion on this as a former athlete yourself, as a, as a leader of young men, as a high school coach, and, and as a father of a high-level athlete who's going off to college and kind of forging his own way. Dylan tweeted out, the word purpose and the definition of the word purpose, the first line of which is living life to the fullest and knowing there is a reason for your journey. With your life experiences and whenever you look at a guy like Dylan, what does that mean to you? And I think we can all read in between the lines and, and assume he is talking about Nebraska, but I, I specifically want to get your thoughts on purpose and, and, and that purpose of, of being a high-level athlete at a place like Nebraska, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. That's uh, a great question, um, and it's it's fairly deep, so I'll try to keep it simple. For him, I think in his personality, um, you know, men typically have two things that, that drive them, a need to conquer and a need to be validated. Um, I think that's, generally speaking, that's our temperament by nature, and it's heightened when you get to, to alpha competitors, a need to conquer. Like, what's what's my goal? What what can I go out and attack today? And then the need to be validated, right? It's men aren't so much worried about, and this is generally speaking, men so much aren't worried about much as about as being loved as much as they do about being respected. And so knowing his personality, when he talks about purpose and where he could potentially have the opportunity to, to, to further his career, why is it about the University of Nebraska? Because he may be saying, 
this was what I was destined to do all along. Could I could I function and play in a stadium with my last name on the building? Is is this my destiny? Is this is this can I conquer this? Is this the next phase in life for me to attack? And will it validate my hard work and how much that I've tried to put and my family's helped put me in positions to be successful? Um, it's kind of a long-winded answer, but I think it encompasses what his personality is and kind of who he is as a competitor. Because I think there's lots of speculating that's going on, you know, the number of high schools or the moving versus not moving or the last-minute indecision. And I'll simply say this, and I think there's lots of people out there hopefully listening that can speak to this, whether you're in relationships or it's your family or uh, it's competitive, the heart wants what the heart wants. And at the end of the day, when you check that guy or gal in the mirror, how, how settled are you internally? And if you're unsettled, we have lots of vices that we sometimes can turn to or lots of distractions. But when you are settled and you're in your sweet spot, your ability to function at a high, high level is you can't bottle it. Mm. And so if deep down in the back of his mind, he felt like, man, early on, and I'm speaking from experience with my own son, right? Like early on, yeah, it's cool. It's my dad's alma mater. I love Nebraska. I'm getting a lot of love. But is this for me? Is mm-hmm. this my deal? And to take a step back and to go other places and then to see how they treat, like, let's say your family members, right? Let's Like, let's say, you know, that the, the, the Rayola extension, Donnie, kind of flew under the radar. And I told people, the two are connected, but they're not connected. Because what the contract extension showed is that Coach Rule was exactly who he said he was. Mm-hmm. He was going to treat Donnie and operate independently of whether Dylan was on campus or not. It, it, it didn't matter. His work was going to be his work. And it's easy to roll your eyes, especially as a brother. Think about this from a brother's standpoint. Oh, hey, you know what? We'll take care of him regardless. It doesn't matter what his nephew does. I know the same last name. It looks like I retained him for recruiting purposes. But guess what? He's out of the fray. He's out of the fold. And I'm going to extend him because I think our offensive line's improved and I believed in him from the get-go. That's going to get your attention. So... When you start talking about trust and who can I ride with in crunch time and who can handle the criticism and not always do what's popular or well-received, I want to ride with that guy. And I think that indirectly has a little bit to do with it, right? He is exactly who he told us he was going to be, flaws and all. Damien, that was fantastic. That was good stuff there. I want to get your thoughts here before we get out. We're kind of up against it. You said a little bit earlier something about surprises on Wednesday, surprises on signing day. Were you speaking (laughs) about Nebraska or were you speaking just broadly there? Uh, I'm just generally speaking. Sure, sure. I'm just going with, with, like, long averages, right? I mean, there's always something crazy that happens on signing day, whether it's moms not wanting to sign letters of intent, kids last-minute flipping, like – Believe me, there's a lot of due diligence. If I told you all the schools that snooped around and came back to visit and made um, personal, um, you know, in-person visits, even after folks say that they're going to another school, listen, football, for whatever the reason, isn't like basketball or volleyball, right? It's like when those high-level folks commit, it's almost like 
other schools leave him alone. In football, that's not the case. So as long as that continues to not be the case, <laughs> you can always have you can always have surprises on Wednesday. All right, DB, real quick, I wanted to ask you about Creighton. You've got about a minute here. Um, what did you see against UNLV on Wednesday that maybe concerns you moving forward for Creighton basketball? Uh, so there's two things. Number one, I think you've got to figure out a way to be more efficient on offense when you're not getting good shots. And I'm not a, I'm not talking about shot charts and distribution. I'm talking about – because if you just look at hard data mm-hmm. – and you're like, okay, uh, we weren't shooting it well from behind the arc. Well, well, when were those when were those shots coming, right? Where were they in the sequence of our offense? Were they off a pass? Was it off a set piece? Was it ISO and we're up against the clock? Like, they have to understand that. Because for Kaufbrenner to get 13 field goal attempts and them not, still not shoot it well, that's a little bit of a concern. But the main thing is they got to get better defensively. They let UNLV's dudes be dudes, and that's a poor lack of execution and, and, and attention to detail. So I think they've got to find a way to get better stops defensively. That's twice now with the Mountain West in terms of allowing their offense to just do what they want to do. That's Damon Benning, Old DB. We appreciate you as always. Always good to talk to you, friend. Hey, whenever you need me. Absolutely. That's our guy, DB, coming up next. He said something about conquering and validating that I want to get to here on Herd at Sports Radio.